Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to the Black Girl Flow podcast, a space dedicated to creating conversation that pushes us to be in alignment and at peace with ourselves and the world around us. We are about cultivating joy, growth, and success in our life, love, and identity. So join us as we find our flow. We are your hosts, Liv and Lex, two 20-something-year-old black girls working every day to be in flow, and we want you along this journey with us. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Black Girl Flow podcast. We are entering the holiday season, and I just feel merrier than ever. I'm not even sure if I've used that word correctly, merrier. Lexi, is that is that the way that I use that word, merrier? Yes. Yes, you feel nothing but joyous holiday spirit. Exactly. And I'm usually not one to set up my Christmas tree like at the start of November, but lately the holiday propaganda has been getting to me. And I've been thinking like, all right, mom, when are we going to go to Home Depot and get a tree? Because she actually threw out our like old like, each year traditional fake tree and so now I guess because she felt like we're all grown up maybe now y'all gotta get a fresh fern bruh exactly do you usually use fresh ferns for your Christmas trees no because my family goes on a holiday trip we used to when I was really little get a fresh tree so I remember sometimes like going and like picking out a Christmas tree but they like wouldn't stay alive when we would leave. So, and my parents now have this like really high ceiling. So my mom went for the, the big old, the big old bad boy. So we got a fake one. Look, man, I just think for me and my family, we've reached the age or my parents feel like we've reached the age where we're kind of over the holiday spirit and all of the like fun traditional holiday things and I personally want to know if there are any other people out there whose parents also feel the same way or like what does the holiday spirit like having the holiday spirit look like for anyone else's family because when I tell y'all my mom is like okay we don't really need to do all of that stuff y'all are older like what do you I mean we've always been kind of the family that's like what do you want instead of even guessing? Like, so that, that, that already takes the Christmas fun out of everything. Not even, not even. I feel like that's very practical. My family is also that way of like, send mom what you want before December 1st. Otherwise, exactly. you're, not get, otherwise you're not getting it, um, which I think is very practical. Granted, I come from a really big family. So it also is just like, my mom is not going to guess what four children and her husband want right. um, and vice versa. But it's interesting because like, yeah, I wonder if there are other people. I just don't know how you can get into the Halloween spirit and not the holiday spirit. So I'm gonna let that one be because I'll just hold all of the excitement for you. 
I like wish I could have a Christmas tree at my house, but I'm literally not going to be home for like two weeks straight. So it's just not even practical. I know. And in your pulse check, Lexi has some pretty big news to share y'all. This is, oh my God. All right. I, I want to just like tell them, but cause I'm so excited, but you have to tell them. I have to tell them after three long, excruciating months. I think it was almost even three plus months. Folks, I am a proud homeowner. (laughs) It is official. I have keys in hand. Um, I, I own, I own, I own. I, it's mine. It's mine. It's a surreal feeling. I can only imagine like you have crossed a different country of adulthood. Like I'm yeah. telling some like random I don't know. <laughs> abyss. <laughs> not a, I don't know how to explain myself, but like that's so exciting. And like it is. I'm just it so is. proud. Yeah, and I will generation. have my goal of having Thanksgiving dinner at my new home with my parents, which I think is like I'm just very happy because it's like there's just so many blessings already around the 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 place. Like I feel like all the people that bless me in the process, then my parents are coming and that feels like really christening the place. Um, and I'm just so excited for this new journey. It is wild, wild. And folks, there are so many buying the house is only the first step. Let me tell you that I've been bamboozled. There are so many decisions that come after this, um, but it's all really fun and exciting things. So I'm learning to just like lean into that process as much as I can and not let it be stressful. But thank you. Thank you to everybody who's been patiently waiting. <laughs> no, I feel like that was one of the house buying process for you was just one of those things where you're like, I'm going to stay low. I'm not, I'm a, I'm going to just stay underground until it's official, official. And now we can finally share with you all that she is a true a true 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 adult and killing it I feel like for me for my pulse check life is good the only thing that I could complain about is daylight savings time because that right there gets me every single year I don't understand why I honestly if, if I were the ruler of the world when daylight savings time comes around because honestly like time is a social contract right if it's getting darker earlier, that means that we're all collectively going to have to wake up earlier. So instead of like us gaining an hour, no, we're going to wake up three hours earlier so we can <laughs> have a regular day and it can get dark at 8 p.m. Brett, I, if I think about daylight savings too hard, it hurts my head. Like I'm just going to say that time zones, daylight savings, where the sun is, how this impacts me blows my mind, but it's very real. And I'll say this and this only, because I also have not been doing well since daylight savings. I've been doing partially well, just like not in the afternoons well. Right. Um, but somebody, one of my friends was saying that one of their work colleagues was like, oh yeah, a week before I was, uh, my daughter would eat lunch 10 minutes earlier and go to bed like a little bit earlier each time so that she wouldn't be thrown off her schedule. And the conclusion me and my friend came up with was, why the heck don't we do this for ourselves? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, we forget to adjust ourselves to the schedule. And so we're doing it with little kids, but it's like, I was like, dang, I wish somebody would told me to eat lunch 10 minutes earlier each day because I was about right. to get 
like all types of discombobulated. So now I have mental notes for sure, but it's been a rough one. For me, it's a psychology switch because I have to have like a notification in my phone, a reminder to let me know around eight o'clock that the sun would usually be setting around this time and to not Mm. freak out. So just like psychological, like switch, like we're in a different matrix right now, but just know that this is normal and we're going to get back to normal soon. That's the only way that I can feel through it. But we asked some of y'all on, um, on our Instagram, what it is that y'all do to cope through daylight savings. And I saw some people say that they take supplements. Are you a big supplement girl? Oh, I can totally endorse that. I don't, I don't have my own regimen, but I've, I've heard lots of uh, phenomenal stories about it. Yeah. So I guess that that's our advice from, from y'all, the advice that y'all gave to us that we're giving back to y'all. And then there was another uh, thing, I think someone might've pointed out to just like keeping track of your thoughts and journaling and all of that good stuff. So I don't know if I want to keep track of my thoughts during this time. I just, again, it doesn't make sense to me. So we're waking up it like it was it uh, fall back, spring forward. Yeah. So it's like, I just don't get how that results in it was dark at like eight and now it's dark at five. Like that, some, some, some bad math don't add up, but either way we are where we are and Q season for hibernation. It definitely is upon us. I know we just wanted to let y'all know that y'all are not alone and we are also struggling. So that wraps up our pulse check. And I think this is a perfect segue to our episode, Liv, because we were talking a little bit about the holiday spirit and what that means for family traditions, which I think are really important. But I think for a lot of us, you know, the holidays spark a lot of concerns and stress as well. One of those stresses being finances. And this is always an interesting topic between the two of us. So I think we're going to jump right into our episode to get in to talk about the complexities of this. I know I'm excited um, because we have two very different approaches to keeping up with our finances. So shocker. I know. (laughs) All right. So we're going to dive right in. All right, Liv. We need to talk about something. You are a big advocate for Black luxury. And unapologetically so. And I am a big proponent of financial freedom. I feel like these things might be the same conversation, but I think we need to unpack them a little bit more so that our listeners are very clear on what we're talking about. Because the holidays are coming the pockets already looking a little, a little slim. Oh, <laughs> oh is it slim? <laughs> and I feel like we need to talk about it because there's so much to this conversation about wealth and and luxury and financial freedom. And we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I think I think it needs more more time. So I want to hear what you really mean when you say black luxury. I mean, there, for starters, has been this movement to showcase Black women in multiple uh, facets. And one that has really taken to my attention has been this Black Girl <laughs> Luxury 
movement on TikTok where you see so many Black women getting into tech. You see their beautiful high-rise apartments. You see a day in their life. And it kind of reminds us that, okay, we don't have to struggle. We are able to live our wildest dreams. There's not a limit on anything. But I think what people are seeing is this very materialistic way of living that showcases luxury in um in the way that showcases how much you have so it's like having the nicest designer bags being able to take fancy trips Mm. buying um nice clothes eating out all the time and is that truly sustainable potentially we could say for the rich but the messaging sometimes comes across in a way that could have detrimental effects to the way that women perceive their own lifestyle because let's be honest most of us aren't living in this luxurious way and yeah it could be argued that are you actually able to live in this way if you are also trying to be generationally wealthy I think you have to really get to a certain point where it's like okay I can still live luxurious because I'm living below my means because I just make so much. But the reality of the situation is a lot of people aren't living that way. And for, there was a hot second when I was seeing that trend boom on TikTok and over the internet where I was like, oh my gosh, this is where I want to aim to. But Mm -hmm. when I, when I actually reflected on it, I was like, okay, what does that mean for me? What do I feel like this represents, right? Because, you know, I'm from Atlanta. So I know, remind them, remind the listeners. BBLs are everywhere. Um, Long Brazilian, long hair. I I can't even name the inches. I've had locks for too long. (laughs) I've had locks for too long. But that's, there's this lifestyle that Black people strive to achieve when you're in Atlanta. And yeah. so black girl luxury obviously might mean a, a little bit different to me than it might mean to you. And you've always been someone that's really great about recognizing that we have to build sustainable systems for ourselves to truly be able to thrive. You know what I mean? And so we obviously have had very different views on black money. Luxury. Yes, <laughs> black luxury, money financial freedom um I guess it would help to provide some perspective on my view because I think I have said this before my parents didn't really teach me savings they, they didn't teach me a lot about seeking financial freedom um I am just now learning a lot of the tools that people are spreading more knowledge you know over over the internet about how you can build generational wealth which has honestly become such a buzzword <laughs> Hold on. it's become a buzzword particularly on black males dating profiles. yes I was just about to say that like if I had a dollar for every single time I saw a black man put I'm trying to build generational wealth on a prompt answer it makes me think like did Charlemagne the God say this like who are the trendy- who was who was responsible right <laughs> like who was responsible for giving for giving us this word that like people say so cavalierly but don't really understand yeah oftentimes the depth the work the consistency of 
And don't get me what wrong, it is. I actually think this is a sidebar. So like cute little putting cute a pin pe- in it. Yeah. Yeah. Put cue the peanut gallery music. But I think actually such an attractive trait for a man is like financial like literacy. Financial literacy and financial goals. Like my thing is I'm like, I really like and I think some girls will probably counter what I'm about to say, but it's like I really don't care what's in your bank account. Actually, let me say this. I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this and I was like, I really don't care what's in somebody's bank account. It's your financial mindset because people can get caught in bad financial situations. I don't Mm. think anybody's free of that risk. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. granted, like the wealthiest of the wealthy, sure. But I'm saying like, I don't think anybody's foolproof against like just a crappy financial situation, but it's about having the financial mindset of like, I'm going to make the wisest decisions. I have that kind of risk analysis. Like Mm. I want to move in this type of way because it's like you're not always dealt a hand that you like is prosperous but it's about having that mindset and I'm like this is not the 4x mindset this is not the quick money mindset this is not a scammer mindset I'm talking about like long-term strategic planning I think that is the most attractive thing but it doesn't always mean that just because your bank account's packed you are making financially wise decisions and we were like talking about the difference between that because I was like I think that's I really, it's not to me about what's in your bank account. It's about like, are you making wise decisions for what is in your bank account? I don't really care what that is, but that's, Mm -hmm. that's a hot take sidebar. You can add your two cents to it, but I think there's a difference. (laughs) Let me like, I need that thing to be fed. (laughs) No, it's not even about, I, I think for a lot of black women, we talk a lot about the struggle love and like this idea of when you're dating a man and he's like, well, you know, I'm ambitious. Like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make things move and I'm trying to do all this stuff. I think I just want to be with someone that reflects where I'm currently at. You know what I mean? And have that expectation. Cause I can't get into another relationship and be like, okay, well, I expect you to have a hundred K in your savings. If that's not how I'm moving, like, so what I can just live off of you. Like that's, that's not how it works for me, but I definitely would love to have someone. I think I need someone <laughs> where I'm at right now that is able to discern this is, this is what the is radio <laughs> looking for looking for a man. Sure, yes. If anyone, I wish you could add like soft jazz <laughs> to be in the background of this. But yeah, it's like I I think the way that I operate, you kind of want someone that balances you out, right? So. I need someone that's going to be a little bit more discerning on what is an emergency and what is, <laughs> an you know, impulse. an impulse. Exactly. Yeah. So that's my opinion on it. Do I care what's in a man's bank account? Long story short is yes, I do. <laughs> I do because I'm, I'm not about to be in a struggle yeah. of situation. I'm not trying to side I'm not trying to sideline our mm-hmm. conversation because we are going to get to the black luxury and financial freedom. But at what point do you ask about what's in somebody's bank account? Because I feel like that is also a toughy, a touchy subject for a lot of people. Like, are you even entitled to that information if you're like early on in the talking phase? Absolutely not. I'm sorry, <laughs> said, I'm not. She said, "Read the room, Lexi. Read the I mean, room." I I wouldn't. I think that transparency is great, right? Like, like you tell somebody how not, much you got in student loans. 
Um, I'm not to that point where I'm trying to build a life with someone yet, but if you are in that space where you're like, I'm trying to find my husband. Yeah. I think that's probably important to put that out and out on the table, like what debt you're coming with, just like how they did in love is blind, where she had to tell oh, that man, yeah. I'm yeah, max, like, I maxed it on my credit cards. Yeah. Like, and I he and, sold his house for her. Yeah, exactly. Cause an apartment. Because that allows someone to create expectations. And, you know, I'm someone that's always been, I'm so intentional about what are we doing this? Like when, when I'm in a talking stage, like I need to let the other person know what I'm about. So if you're 22 years old and you're like, okay, well, I'm ready for two babies and I'm ready to move in with someone and I'm I'm ready to marry them. Uh, Then yeah, you should be telling people what's going on. Exactly. But like, that's not something that's obligated. Fair enough. Fair enough. You're pretty secretive. Excuse me. About. (laughs) (laughs) She pointed her finger at me, y'all. Go ahead. What were you going to say? You're not as forthcoming with how much you make and like how much it is that, like what background that you've come from. So I feel like at what point would you share some information like that? Because you're if also older that, than me. I'm a spring chicken compared to... <laughs> okay, 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 now, okay, now. Apples and oranges, apples and oranges. I feel like if somebody asks me, then I'm like, one, it takes so much guts to ask. And I'm going to ask the question right back. That's like, if somebody asks like, oh, I feel like most people can deduce my family background. Like, you know, we, you know... <laughs> I can't even I'm not even yes but continue so I feel like if somebody genuinely asked me like hey do you like have any outstanding debts or like all these things like I wouldn't have a hard time expressing that I do think that my mom has been very intentional about not like saying that like hey especially as being like a financially independent woman be mindful who you are sharing the details of your financial experience because somebody could see that as something like they could ride your coattails for. And I'm not the person that Mm. like, I don't like to live in fear in my life and I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I am conscious of like, if anything, I feel like that's probably more intimidating. But I think what people forget is that like, when you start pulling money together, like you have a lot to work with. So it's Mm -hmm. like, it's not really just about like what I can do or like what I'm doing for myself. I really start to think about of like, oh, when we start pulling our resources, like what could we do together? And I feel like that always gets me really excited about stuff, but. It's crazy. And I, I know that we've had this conversation plenty of times about our, when you get married, are you putting your spouses? Ah, the The hottest of takes. Right. And like, I'm very back and forth on, on that. I mean, initially my first thought was why would I need to have a joint bank account with my spouse but Lexi kind of provided a different perspective of we are a union when we are married and that's how you just have to operate right so that that means change in lifestyle granted though I feel like I very much and again my boyfriend pointed this out like I'm very much like in the guides of transparency like I'm also in the same I am the same you're correct of like I strongly believe that like your bank account should become one like really even in the even in the eyes of the government like that debt becomes your debt like so why would you not put your finances together and I get that 
again, we talk so much about like your past relationships informing your present relationships and like all those things, but it's like your financial practices of what you got exposed to and like how your parents manage the finances, how you saw that modeled for you, that also impacts how you shape relationships too. So like I get people come with baggage and like want their financial freedom and stuff, but I am, I'm very much like, we're both going in full transparency. You're dealing with these three bills. I'm dealing with these four bills. Like we know what's going in and out and anything over a certain price tag, like we're talking about together. But granted, yeah. I'm just not in that situation right now, which where it seems, yeah, which seems like a lot because it's like, oh my gosh, could you imagine like literally knowing I, I, it's just like so much. But yeah, way. yeah, bringing it back to black girl luxury, I think you're right because it's like it's a mindset shift. Yeah, when you get to a certain age, when you graduate college, and you're like, okay, I have to manage my life and the way that you manage it determines how you will be able to live the places that you will be able to go to what you will be able to buy. And right now you've lived your life, I would say pretty much like below your means. And now that's been able to afford you a house because you created that goal for yourself. And you're like, I'm going to save. You really don't travel like that. Like you don't eat out as much as (laughs) I do. You don't binge spend as much as I do. And that's how you know, regardless of our backgrounds, you have to be disciplined for sure with it. Right. And so I remember we recently posted (laughs) a TikTok where I showed Lexi, uh, being like, quote unquote, like the mom, like paying for some of my meals. Cause I don't know. She's just, if she's extra hospitable or she just, I don't know. I am. I She's probably like, you need a little bit of coin. So you need a little bit of extra coin, baby. No. <laughs> Sending me back to back to Atlanta. I think of it as like I'm taking care of you, and because you're gonna take care of me one day. You know what I mean? Like a like- mom, right? <laughs> so, anyways, every everyone was commenting under the TikTok, like she has to teach us how to live, like financially free, something along those lines. That yeah, obviously sh- they saw something in you. <laughs> so why don't you break down what what that looks like for me? Yeah. And what inspires you to live that way? Is it kind of like the black man's, I'm trying to be generationally (laughs) wealthy and like you can see in the future and you're like, I'm trying to create this space. Cause I think it's a future oriented mindset. For sure. sure. I think it's such a like both and of it all. And I'm, you know, we've had multiple conversations very openly about both of our financial situations. And I think I asked you, I was like, I could tell you basically where almost every single one of my dollars has gone. Oh yeah. Like every month pretty intently. And so I'm, I don't think I can to, to the T that I did maybe like a year ago now, because it's like, now I have such like a little bit more of a cushion. Like I'm, I'm, I know generally what my monthly expenses look like. I would honestly say that before I get into like more in depth, what I would say about like strategies for financial freedom and by no means am I like a financial consultant or have that background I think this is just kind of lessons learned from my parents kind of passed down to me about money management and stuff like that but I have to admit that like I definitely approach my finances sometimes I have to check myself because it's from a scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. like granted I work I work for a nonprofit. like I don't make bands I do consulting work on the side And I have, you know, various other like projects that I have to like 
you know, alternate streams of income and things that I'm working on. And I feel really, I, I believe uh, wholeheartedly in the diversifying your portfolio. I told people that I used to take that approach to my dating life. I take that to my financial life. Like I think right. like it gives you the most options. Um, so I think that that really has alleviated, but I think we've talked multiple times. I'm really bad at splurging for myself. Like mm. my mother calls me stingy with my money. Like, I think that's a, I'm like, I think that has a negative connotation, but like, I have a hard time spending like a couple hundred dollars, like mm. on myself for something I want. Like I can name two things that I've been thinking about buying for myself for probably the past six months. I very easily could afford them. But it's like, I just walk myself through kind of the concept of just like, is this needed? Is this necessary? And like, what joy would this bring to my life in the moment? And if it's one of those things, and my mom was a big proponent of this, she's like, if you keep thinking about it, then just go ahead and get it for yourself and move other things around. Like, Mm. you know, again, it's not the scarcity mindset. It's that like, then maybe I don't need to go to Whole Foods to get the $5 hummus. You know what I mean? Like maybe I could just get the the $2 hummus from Trader Joe's. Like you can move things around and you can make conscious decisions. I think that's where it gets really overwhelming for folks is because it's like so many decisions being made of like, you know, if you really wanted to buckle down and save and and make a big investment, whether that's in a business, whether that's in yourself, whether that's a trip or whatever, then like maybe look at your apartment complex or like look at where you're living. Like, do you need to be living in the most lavish one? But also cost benefit analysis. Is that going to bring you joy? I think so much of what me and you talk about is of like, at what cost? Like do the impulse buy, do the thing, but like be okay with the consequences of that. Because I, it would be foolish to say that like, you're not a future set mind. You're not a future, future oriented person. Like Mm -hmm. you you think about your financial wellness in the next couple of years. And you're right. You're around so many older people that like, it's hard not to compare yourself, but you're just younger than we are. Like I didn't have my crap together either fresh out of college like that. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I definitely think that there for one to your point of having that scarcity mindset I find that people that are like good with saving have that mindset I wonder if it's like a chemical imbalance in your brain (laughs) but um when it comes to even living this luxurious lifestyle right like for some people I do believe hey that brings you joy but if you're not evaluating the other spaces the other dimensions of wellness that we talk about so like ignoring your spiritual wellness Mm -hmm. ignoring your physical wellness like all of these other spaces is this really what like we want to put our energy towards Mm -hmm. showcasing who has the most luxurious lifestyle because it doesn't stop Yeah. yeah it doesn't stop and it also to live this elite like luxury lifestyle sometimes I think we don't consider the people that have to that that are impacted by that lifestyle right for sure so it's like if you if you've ever worked in the customer service industry you know that you have to create a certain ambiance to reflect you know the prices the clientele, the, the clientele. and so 
the poor people that are that are in these service roles, you know, are primarily impacted by our need to feel luxurious. Right. But I also don't think it's fair to be like, oh my gosh, a nap, taking a 30 minute nap for yourself is luxury. If you can find the time out of your day, you know, like diminishing. Cause like luxury, when we think of luxury, we think of material things. And I think that it's great to showcase black women. Please don't get me wrong. Like I, was a fan I I I don't even say was but like I loved observing black women in these spaces because you know we we don't get it but even like I'm saying in Atlanta where there's a certain level of beauty that like there's a certain standard of beauty there's a certain standard of like what it means to be rich that means that a lot of people are faking their lifestyles in order to meet these standards. And what as black people, as you know, some of some like the ethnic group with some of the most debt in America, the most incarcerations due to these systemic barriers, as we know, but like, what would it look like if we actually did come together and started learning more financial literacy? I think that to your point is like really powerful. We've had a conversation about a tweet or it was like something on social media that was like the difference between wealth and income and how black people seem to be, you know, you take like the the top 10% of Twitter, black Twitter and say, right. But then we call the cultural fad or whatever that's that we feel like is struggling with that. And I know there was one social media influencer. I'm pretty sure it was for Harriet um and she was saying she's like I'm one like bad medical diagnosis from being poor like that could ravage me and I think that that too so much of what I understand is privilege especially from like what we typically associate with like white privilege or I think any type of privilege is associated with like the wealth and status but honestly in my mind I think it's the safety net Mm. because I told you it's like just because you have money doesn't mean that you, you are like adverse to risk like doesn't mean that you could ever not be taken out of those financial circumstances in my mind the wealth that you built like that's the safety net of like if shit hit the fan I have this to pull from I have this other income I have this savings I have this 401k like and don't get me wrong I don't understand it all either like it's confusing it's a lot there's too many books on it. People are profiting off of, you know, unrealistic models for this, right. like that. But I think it's to that point of like, are we just getting bans today? Or are we, are we really thinking about, are we zooming out from the big picture and saying like, okay, if there are these systemic barriers to wealth building opportunities, and here's what I'm working with, how do I kind of finesse between, because I do think it takes a level of finesse to kind of do both and and I think it's in doses like I don't think it's take all of your savings and put it in a 401k like I don't think it's put it in the index 500 and invest it like I don't think it's do put it all into bitcoin or put it all into real estate like I don't think it's that I think it starts in slow incremental decisions and I feel like this is a motto and a philosophy that we've adapted in a lot of areas of our life it's like it's in the tiny things you know what I mean it's like taking advantage of your employer matching program if they have one you know what I mean like getting in getting started with that 401k and that retirement like even if you never touch it and then it's like it's those it's that and then it's thinking like oh if I were to buy a house what would it look like 
not right. saying I'm going to, but just saying like, Hey, cause I've had friends who are saying like, Oh yeah, I thought I wanted to buy a house. Then I looked more into it and I actually saw that my money Renting. would have a higher return. Mm-hmm. Yeah because I'm not going to be here for the long term. Like I actually realized renting was fine and that that money would be better spent in the stock market. So it's like, you just got to be curious. It's not about doing it all at the same time. And I think that's where we get it. But the wealth versus income thing, I think is really big. What did your process of buying a house kind of like mean for you in establishing what we're calling like wealth because it's like that is a yeah big money making move yeah I think the biggest thing that I learned in the house process so I think in a weird way and this happens to me often was like I'll just speak kind of things out and I was like I want to own a house before I'm 25 like not Mm -hmm. knowing what that entails um and then I ended up kind of setting a financial goal of like saving basically half of my earned income in my first year out of college. And that really got me excited about the idea of, I was like, oh, wow. Like I'm reading all these articles of people who, you know, below the age of 30 don't have, have X amount in their savings account. And I'm looking at mine being like, dang, like, I think I could do something with this. Let me be curious. And I think the biggest thing with buying a house for me was my five year, I knew I wasn't leaving the area. So Mm -hmm. I knew that like I was committed to that. The second thing to the wealth building opportunity piece of it is seeing that, and this is interesting because to the the scarcity mindset and the adverse aversion to risk that I think most black people have in relationship to money, I was big on like, I don't want debt. So it's like, that was, that was like a clean say. I'm like, I'm not doing that debt thing. So buying a house feels like the ultimate debt because it's right. like, you're signing a 30 year mortgage with someone who's non-committal. Like, right. this, is, this is an issue, but I stopped seeing the house as debt and I started seeing the house as collateral. Mm. So it's like, when you start to see the house as collateral, this is now something that I can leverage to get access to more money right. to make other types of investments later on in life. Again, it's a risk because if yeah, I went down, they'd come for that. Of course. But what it does do, and that's, I was like, oh, I remember the day that that clicked for me where I was like, oh my gosh, if you're strategic, you buy a house in a good market that over time in the five years that I keep it, it doubles in value or it just goes up a little bit you're going to cash out on that investment or you're going to leverage that value to make another investment. Absolutely. And then look at that. That's BOGO, baby. Like right. you buy one, you get another. Like that's to me was the like, ah, people move different because they're leveraging the assets that they have as collateral, which gives them more access to wealth. Absolutely. And that's where you're making money moves because you realize that it's not that people actually have billions sitting in their bank account, or maybe some people do. They're not sitting with like hundreds of thousands of dollars in their bank account. It's that they're leveraging the current assets that they have as collateral to have access. And that's not foolproof, but I'm saying like that right. to me was a big shift in, in my head and seeing the value in owning a home. I know. Cause it's kind of like, one of those things that you think about when you're younger and you're like, okay, maybe at some point this is going to happen for me and I will settle down and it'll be great. But then when you get to that age, you realize, okay, not a lot of my peers are moving this way. I'm going to have to really make a decision that feels like a long-term 
I mean, it is a long-term decision and shit just feels so temporary these days. I'm not even joking, y'all. It's real. That's real. It feels like, okay, it's time for me to maximize my time on this earth and live the way that I want to live um, without. But you talk about that all the time to that point of like, it's about experiences. It's about experiences. Exactly. I see this as an experience. Like I, I've told It's people, one of, yeah, the most liberating experiences that, that requires, that's like level, level eight <laughs> of life. But that's where I think that's to me, that's where it's like, there's such a likeness to what we're saying. Right. That's where I think the black luxury and the financial freedom conversation merge together where it's like, we're talking about the same thing of like living life full of experiences it's really just asking ourselves at what cost and I think sometimes what we're seeing on social media is the very instantaneous result of things absolutely and what I'm talking about is like that journey to financial freedom I don't think I'm gonna cross the threshold of being like ah I've made it there you know what I mean because I feel like it's so much of your mindset of how you're approaching your relationship to money. And I feel like there's still so much more for me to learn in regards to that as I accrue this level of responsibility. No, I absolutely love that. And also just bringing it back to the community piece, because we always love to bring it back to the community piece where I feel like financial freedom and black girl luxury like what I feel like they're both missing from the conversation I know that we've talked to you about this is the aspect of giving back right I think Mm. you could argue when we're talking about financial freedom and we're talking about generational wealth a lot of people are like okay it's it's generational wealth I'm giving back to my generations but your generations aren't here right now right like you haven't had kids your kids haven't had kids how are you impacting the people that are around you right now? Yeah. Black girl luxury, right? I, I want us to be luxurious. I want us to have the finest thing. I want us to be able to showcase that and be happy and to take self-care breaks. But how are we impacting the communities that we are adjacent to? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to bring them along the journey with us? Yeah, because none of it matters, honestly. <laughs> I mean, like, no, for we're real, on for a real. floating rock. None of it matters. It, of course, determines the experience, the quality of life that you want to experience while you're here. But you can't take that money with you when you go. Yeah, for sure. And relationships are forever. Like you leave people, you you impact people. And that's, I think what we're truly here, not to get all spiritual on y'all, no, but, but I think that's what we're here to do. Right. Yeah. No, I think you're completely right. And I'm actually really glad you brought this in because I think sometimes again, money makes it feel like scarcity. Like I'm getting mine. I'm getting right. mine. I'm, I'm in my bag. I'm, you can do whatever you want, but I'm doing this. Right. I'm just trying to see more commas in my bank account. Exactly. But I think to your point of like, actually, when we all get to share in that and we're bringing along more people in that journey with us, again, with healthy boundaries of Of that course, you know, it actually benefits more people in that process. And, you know, that's something that me and you have talked a lot about of like, how do we actually integrate in our financial freedom journey? this really key part of generosity and giving back Mm. not in a 
pity way. And I think, you know, I've even shared some concerns of just like the institutional way of giving. I'm Mm. like, I don't want it to just be a tax right off. Like I want to invest in my people. Like if you got projects, you got dreams, like I want to be tied to, to those things that like, you know, you can left off right now. I can only afford your dinner, but (laughs) right. Right. Exactly. But just like being financially free is a mindset having your community in mind is a mindset. So I just think that this whole conversation ties perfectly into the holiday season of giving back to those that need it. And to also like, if you're someone kind of like Lexi, like that could help a girl like me out. And we all got that one friend that just loves to spend a dollar. (laughs) Well, what's that? What's that phrase? That's like, uh, the more money I have in my pocket I like burn a hole in my pocket or something like that oh okay you know (laughs) (laughs) we all have that friends that like y'all could really help and obviously I'm gonna have to do the work on my own I have to experience that mindset shift right but the more that our people can like really internalize that this that this means so much more for us than any ethnic group in America because of the institutional barriers that are in place. And the more that we can have our community in mind during this holiday season, where it's supposed to be a time for us to give back and to not necessarily be focused on, okay, now I'm about to treat myself to a thousand dollars Gucci slides. And I'm about to give my uh, brother, like, I don't know. $20 $20 so we can go to the movies like let's actually share the wealth share the information because knowledge is wealth and um just be more conscious of of the communities that we're impacting through yeah. our actions of trying to live a luxurious lifestyle trying to live a below our meat below our means lifestyle and um yeah everything in between yeah I can't I there's literally nothing to add besides just seeing how our financial mindset is a crucial part of us understanding how we show up and be in flow that we can't talk about love, you know, um, spirituality, um, our professional goals and not talk about this when we're talking about living in harmony with ourselves and each other. So we're perfectly imperfect in it. And we'll keep sharing as we know, and as we have hiccups and lessons, Um, And I'm excited to hear from you all about what's been some of the hardest lessons you've learned in regards to your financial wealth, or tell us about the black luxury. Let us live, let us live in the luxury with you. you. Absolutely. (laughs) Cause like, that's, that's what we're all here for to share this common experience while we are here on this earth. But thank you all so much for joining on, joining us on yet another BGF episode. Y'all already know what the deal is. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot to us so we can help find more people to join the community and follow us on Instagram and TikTok because that's where the conversation continues. But that is all that we have for today, folks. We will catch you next time. And like always, peace, love, blessings. Bye, y'all. Bye, guys. All right, that wraps up our episode this week. Don't forget to go check out Black Girl Flow Podcast on social media and even check out our new YouTube channel to continue the conversation there. We really appreciate if y'all could rate and subscribe our channel. And with that said, see you all next time. Rest well, folks.